What money stories did your parents pass on? Did they talk about money in your household? Did you get an allowance? Was that allowance for work you did or just for existing? That's how I see generational wealth, at least for my family, was that it's like, it's not a one directional thing. It's not a linear line where you go grandparents yourself and your kids, or it's not even just towards your kids and towards your grandparents, right? It's not one directional or even bi-directional. It's like this big circle. I want to be able to retire my parents, set my kids up for success, and live an abundant life. Heyo, welcome to the Asian Detox Podcast, the podcast where we boldly reclaim Asian American prosperity. We have relatable conversations about how being Asian American shows up in our day-to-day lives, how money is deeply embedded in our culture, and how you can choose to define your own version of success in a world that tries to tell us how to be. I'm your host, TJ Wei, your hashtag very Asian, non-binary, gluten and dairy-free money habits coach, and I want you to know that you don't have to live in the boxes other people put you in. You can design your abundant life in a way that honors your heritage while enjoying a life of ease and alignment. And you can do it while making money and building generational wealth. Today, I want to talk about generational wealth. Normally in America, when I hear stories about generational wealth, it's either the story of the uber-rich one-percenters who are talking about kids who are named self-made with quotes when they really had inherited a lifestyle from their parents and some seed money and all of these things and then started a business with the connections and the finances and all of the support from their family to get them where they are today. Or I hear about it from the perspective of that first generation where we're finally escaping the negative money mindsets or the debt or whatever other money stories that your family passed on and are seeing some real wealth and starting to talk about, okay, well, I'm the first in my line and able to do these things. And I want to be able to retire my parents, set my kids up for success and live an abundant life. And I want to talk about it from an Asian perspective that, yes, those stories are true. And for me, especially as the child of immigrants, it's not just the concept of paying it back to my parents or paying it forward to the future generation. And it's like, it's not something where I have to start from scratch because I've always had these conversations with my parents. The whole concept of like going to college, that was never a choice. That was something that we knew that I was going to do. And I don't remember if like as a kid, I was told that like I had to or whatever, but I just remember this instance where I thought to myself at like around seven or eight years old of like, oh, I still have more school after high school. There's still four years of college that I have to go through. And that was just a given of like, I knew that some people didn't go to college, but I knew that I was going to college. And I like to bring that up as part of my generational wealth and my money mindset, because that education piece was so focal in my life that that's actually how I earned money from my parents was the when I asked for a parakeet I don't know why we were in Petco or whatever but there were birds in Petco and I was like oh I want one and 
my mom was like, okay, well, here is this extracurricular workbook, like a reading comprehension workbook, this big tome. She had me go through and for every page that I finished of this workbook, you know, you read a, a paragraph or some kind of passage and then you answer some questions, like those kinds of things. For every page I finished, I earned 10 cents. So I would bring this workbook in a little red bucket with me everywhere I went and I would work on it whenever we were like in the waiting room at the dentist. And when I finished them, my mom would give me a dime for every sheet. So I was collecting money to earn my first pet. Actually, I guess technically my second pet. We had fish in the backyard, but I like those weren't bought for me. They kind of came with the house. Um, my first pet was a parakeet and I earned it by doing extra homework, like extra educational related things. And I I think back on this and I, I was talking to a friend that we were a frugal household in the sense that we didn't buy things we didn't need. And if it had anything to do with education, like some tutor or a nerd camp or summer class, whatever it was, didn't matter how much it cost, we would find a way. There was no question. My mom would find a way whether or not we felt comfortable that we had the money right then or if we had to like apply for scholarships or whatever it was to make it happen, it happened. So I want to I touch on that in a generational wealth perspective because like not being given an option to do anything else, like that was the priority in my family. Outside of talking about money, education was important because that education was supposed to get me to a place where I would be financially stable. So it was the top priority to help me be good, but also this conversation I had with my mother was that they would help me pay for college, and then I would have to turn around when my parents retired and support them financially when they're retired. So it was a quid pro quo deal that like, we're going to invest in you and you are now our retirement plan. That is basically what my mom would say to me. And I lived with that expectation for until my 30s. And then at some point in my late 20s, my parents decided to retire early and we hadn't talked about finances in a good long while in terms of like how well they were set up or anything. And I was expecting that I was still going to have to support them in some way. I wasn't expecting I would have to support their entire retirement because I knew that my mom was good with money and she was investing in all of these things. So I wasn't like particularly worried about that burden, but there was definitely always like an expectation in the back of my mind. So when they retired early, I was like, wait, what? Um, and it took me a couple of years to finally sit down with my parents and ask. I was like, how did you know you could retire? And like my dad started trying to tell me like how to do the math. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no. I don't want to know in general how to retire. I want to know how you decided to retire. And my dad was like, well, we paid off the rental property and we paid off our house and then we calculated our expenses and we were like, yeah, we we're covered. Like they just knew like actually for a couple years before my dad actually pulled the trigger that they were going to retire. I bring that up because what I want to say here is that even though I was given this expectation that I would have to take care of my parents, right now outside of when they get to a point medically where they need support, where they need somebody to be there to go with them to the doctor's office or to help them take their meds or find them a caretaker, those kinds of things, outside of that, I have now been relieved of the mental burden of 
having to worry about them financially. And that is to me like the the greatest generational wealth gift that they could have given me at this point in my life, right? Like early on, they gave me, here's how you are frugal. Here's how you use coupons. Here's how you use credit cards to maximize points. And all of these things, they gave me the scarcity mindset and the tools that went with it. And they prioritized education for me. So those were the two main things that got me where I am today. And then in recent years, the fact that I know for a fact that they are good in their retirement, like actually to the point and not to brag, but like they are so well off that they could have bought my house for me and I could have been paying them like the mortgage note. They could have been holding it, but they didn't because they're also choosing to make sure that I don't rely on them for the rest of my life, right? They're not going to be there forever, right? So they're choosing to make sure that I can be independent and that that is such a weird thing to think about based off of the way I grew up with this expectation that I had to be grateful and that we were a, a collectivist family that like everything was supposed to stay in the family and we're supposed to stick together and all of those things. It's very weird now um, that my dad holds such a strong line of like, no, we're going to like bury ourselves in gold coffins. Like none of this is like, don't expect any of this. Don't expect to inherit any of it, which if I think about it, like by the time my parents pass away, I'll have kids of my own. So most likely the person who needs the money the most will be my kids anyway. Um, so it's a good point that my dad has of like not thinking of what they have as mine, especially because I don't live with them. Like my brother still lives with them, but I don't. So it's completely fair from that perspective. I, I, I didn't expect to, to feel so strongly that way, right? That, that big contrast to me that I spent my teen years and even my twenties trying to like separate myself from my family to gain some distance. I moved from California to Arizona and now we're in a place where we're drawing clear boundaries. And that's that's astounding to me. Absolutely astounding. <laughs> and um, to circle back for those of you who may still have expectations of having to support your parents, or maybe you're you're still thinking about how they supported you through college or what have you. Like to me back then, that conversation was like, this is an interest-free loan. Like I would actually write that out in my scholarship applications. Throughout my four years in college, I continued to apply for scholarships and I would say, hey, you know, it looks like I don't need financial aid and that's great on taxes that it says I don't because my parents are well off. But listen here, this is an interest-free loan. This is not something where they're going to pay for it and I'm never going to have to pay it back. This is something where I'm expected to do something with this and return it to the family in some way. And if it's not towards my parents, it's still actually towards the rest of my family. Um, because when I was growing up, my aunt would send me birthday cards with money in them. And now my cousin has three kids, which is more than the two of us, my brother and I. Um, so I send my cousin's kids birthday money whenever their birthdays come up. And now it's like diluted, right? Because it's divided by three kids instead of two. And I'm the only one doing it. My brother isn't. So it's really funny because I'll send the cousin's kids some money. And then occasionally when my aunt is visiting us in California and I happen to be there, my aunt gives me money back and I'm like, wait, what just happened here? Like, I swear, I just gave your grandchildren money and now you're giving it back to me. I don't understand. But that's kind of like how I see the, uh, at least the Chinese, or and I don't know if this is like mainland China traditions, but definitely the Taiwan traditions were that 
you gave people red envelopes during different occasions in their life. So for me, it was like birthdays and um, Chinese New Year's. I would get red envelopes from my relatives. And then in Taiwan, they do like engagement parties. It's like a reception for your engagement. So they'll do an engagement party where they show pictures of the couple and all of these things. And it's almost like a whole like pre-wedding. And during that, the family gives the couple red envelopes as well, which like numbers closer to the like the thousands in value, right? Like as a kid, I was getting like 20 bucks to maybe a hundred, depending on like how old I was and how close the relative was to me and those kinds of things. And then engagement parties, I remember going to one with my parents and they were, my parents were talking about how much they needed to give to this particular relative who wasn't especially like close to us. They were like a cousin twice removed or something like that. And the numbers were in the thousands. And I remember this because also when my maternal grandmother died, my mother had the same conversation of like, hey, my kids haven't gotten married yet. But when the older cousins had gotten married, they had gotten money for their weddings. So my mom asked them to set aside money for us as well, which I don't even know where that money is anymore or what. Like I don't expect to see it at all. But like that was the thing is I saw as, hey, we're going to give you money at certain stages in your life. And then you're expected to give it back to the rest of the greater family at some point, uh, depending on who hits the next milestone, which is really weird because then you're like, okay, so I have to like earn milestones in my life. It's like a weird incentive of like, these are the paths or these are the places where you're going to get rewarded. And if you don't hit these milestones, then you just won't. Um, Other than, you know, when you're a kid, you just have to get older, right? You get older, you don't fail school. Cool. Awesome. But like, that's how I see generational wealth in at least my Chinese family is that it like, it's a pool of money that we all kind of use when we need it. And when we see an incidence where somebody else needs it, like, okay, weddings are expensive. Like, When I thought I was going to marry my high school sweetheart, my mom was like, well, do you guys want to have an engagement party first? And then she immediately went like, oh, yeah, but in America, you don't do, first of all, you don't do engagement parties in America. And second of all, that's not going to get you any money, which is kind of like weird, because if I think about it now, my high school sweetheart's family is Indonesian Chinese, and they definitely probably would have given us money if we had done that. Um, But I didn't know that back then, first of all. And second of all, we didn't end up getting married. So I'm glad we didn't do that. Um, But like, that's how I see generational wealth, at least for my family, was that it's like, it's not a one directional thing. It's not a linear line where you go grandparents yourself and your kids, or it's not even just towards your kids and towards your grandparents, right? It's not one directional or even bi-directional. It's like this big circle or like pool of money that we're all using to get the lifestyle that we want. And then when we have enough to be able to give to others at the points where they need it, like you're going to college, okay, well, let's support you through college because let's not have you work during college. We want you to focus on your studies. You want you to get good grades. So no, don't work. Just don't worry about the money right now. And like, this was totally a thing my dad told me um, when I got my first internship and my first job. He was like, don't worry about the money right now. And I'm sitting here going, wait, that's not how this works. Like, I don't know if that's different in Taiwan, but in America, I'm like, no, I got to negotiate for this shit. I'm like, I'm assigned female at birth and I'm going to have to do something because like Americans are just rude that way where they just give you different salaries based off of your gender. So that's where I had a little bit of a clash with my parents. But other than 
that, like most of the time they were very good about saying, okay, here's how you handle like saving for big expenses, or here's how you travel frugally or all of these things that like really built me up so much beyond the actual like handing cash over aspect. Cause like I haven't gotten married, so I haven't gotten like thousands of dollars worth of cash. I have gotten like you know, 100, 200 in red envelopes on an annual basis. As a first-generation Asian American, I grew up trying to fit into the boxes other people put me in. I considered acting, voice acting, and writing as career options when I was little, but ended up joining corporate America as an IT project manager to take the Asian parent-approved path. The good news is, it's not too late for me to follow those more creative goals, but I didn't have the energy to work both my corporate job and follow those passions. And I couldn't shake the cultural directive to be financially stable so that my parents wouldn't have to worry about me. It's so ingrained in me that it's difficult to focus on more creative pursuits or what might be considered passion projects without the financial backing to support myself. That's why I'm such a big fan of building systems and financial foundations that leverage my hashtag very Asian frugal money habits and the more expansive abundance mindset that I strive to embody every day. While sitting at my corporate job feeling like there must be more to life than this, I spent years learning and absorbing information about how to become financially independent, invest in real estate and stocks, and build a business. And now, I'm on track to retire by 40. But more than that, I have the freedom to dress how I want, because how I dress now is certainly not considered professional, adopt unconventional pronouns, and work fewer hours to support my physical and mental health. I get to choose what clients I work with, who I spend time with, and what boundaries I need to set in order to keep the toxic expectations and hustle culture at bay. And I want that for you too. If you're ready to make your next big money move and build the financial foundations you need to feel like you can show up as your full self, I have an offer for you. My generational wealth building money mentorship program is three months of direct access to me and my brain to cut through all of the noise and conflicting information on the internet and get you where you need to be financially. Get a wealth building strategy, action plan, curated resources, and emotional support to put you on the path towards your abundant life. The link is in the show notes. We, we tried the allowance thing in my house and my mom's method for doing allowances was like, here's 50 cents a day. And if you decide to opt out of your chores that day, then I'm going to subtract 10 cents at a time, which is like, I don't know where my mom got this weird idea and she was using these like Chinese tallying techniques. It was really weird. Um, like, I don't know where she thought that was going to motivate us, but it definitely demotivated us. And, like, as long as we were studying, like, we didn't really get any other repercussions other than not having spending money. But we also weren't allowed to leave the house. So, not, like, in a bad way, but there was, like, nowhere to go. Um, we could go to our friend's house, which, like, didn't cost anything. Or we could be at home doing our homework. Like, we could do homework at our friend's house, or we could do homework at home. There wasn't really anywhere else to go in my hometown. Like, not really. Like, we, we could go to, like, CVS 
and pick up some like baking supplies and make some cupcakes. I remember doing that my senior year. But like I didn't have much use for money outside of that. Like I was allowed during Christmas to say, here's what I want for Christmas. I picked one thing. Like my parents never tried to convince us that Santa Claus was a real thing. They didn't tell us it wasn't, but they also didn't try to pretend. Like they didn't try to give us Santa Claus gifts or anything like that. My mom did try to like, apparently my mom tells me this story. Like she took me to one of those like Santa Claus photo shoot things and because she never explained Santa Claus to me, apparently I got on this guy's lap and started crying and the man got really mad at my mom and my poor mom. Like doesn't speak good English, right? Or like not good enough to fight back sometimes. Like when she gets flustered or angry or mad, her English falls apart and she didn't know any better at the time, but she was definitely on the younger side, right? Less life experience. She just, like, let him yell at her, and she tells me always, right, like, these incidents where I, like, start crying for shit or, like, get really annoying and, like, people get mad at her for it. She's like, if I'd known better, I would have been like, it's your fault. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's just how financially I grew up of, like, my my dad finds it really weird. I had this conversation with him a couple years ago of, like, why do we donate toys for Christmas time, like toys won't help like the orphan kids or the homeless kids or anything. Um, because he just doesn't understand presents. Like presents weren't a thing that my dad's family does. They still aren't, I'm pretty sure. I'd have to ask my cousin how he feels about it or what he does with his kids. But other than my uncle like buying us stuff for the sake of him having fun shopping, like presents aren't a thing in my dad's life, I guess, is what I should more specifically say. So like, there was no sense of, like, oh, you're entitled to have anything. It was a lot of, like, well, if I want something. If my brother and I wanted something outside of, like, Christmas and birthdays, we had to, like, save up for it and buy it ourselves. And luckily, you know, like, the internet exists, so you can just buy it online. It shows up at your door, so you don't even have to leave the house. Other aspects of, like, milestones and money in my family, like, there was this thing, and I don't remember where I picked this up. Um, my mom must have mentioned it at some point, like, that my uncle got a new job or something. And so he treated us all to dinner, like, the extended family that lived in California, so, like, seven of us at the time. Um, there was a thing that every time you got a new job, which, you know, like, in older generations doesn't happen very often, <laughs> that you treat the family to dinner. So me, a millennial, changing jobs, like, every six months, I ended up, you know, buying my family dinner like several times. Like almost every time I went home after 2017, I was buying my family dinner because I would just change jobs that often. That like I would take contract jobs for three to six months or I would find a new place that I thought was going to be my new like corporate home. And it just wasn't the case. And But, you know, every every move came with a raise. So I was like, well, I got a raise and this is a tradition we have. So, yeah, I guess I'm paying for dinner. Which, you know, was like a version of celebrating, but it's a weird version where you're like, oh, you succeeded in something. Here, we're going to financially penalize you. It's the weirdest shit. Um, that's pretty much like my observations about what generational wealth was for me and means for me in terms of like what parts are Asian or what parts are different than what I typically hear when I listen to other people's money stories is that I was passed on like we talk about money in the family and we prioritize education because that'll get you financially stable and you're going to have to pay it back to the family and like this is a pool of money that was basically an interest-free loan that you never knew when that bill was going to come due, right? There was, other than the fact that, like, I know when my cousin's kids' birthdays are, like, I don't know when 
Like if my brother were to get married, which I also don't expect, but things like that, right? Like you you don't control those things or they're not like something set on the calendar. So it was kind of like you always had to have something set aside for those occasions. So I have like a gift budget that I maintain on a monthly basis that it's like a sinking fund where every month I put a set amount in and it just sits there until it's time to buy somebody something or give them a red envelope, all of those things. And I think it just all contributes to this concept of like, I can't spend it all. Like even if I wanted to break away from the like childhood conditioning I have of like saving and hoarding and scarcity and all of these things and move towards abundance, which I'm definitely doing, there's just nothing in my head that says, oh, but I could just spend myself to zero. That's nothing that I was taught. Other people get stories of like how like they, they're bad with money, so they have to spend it while they have it kind of deal. And for me, it was the opposite of like, well, you're going to need this for somebody else later. So, which, you know, when we're taught to put ourselves last and self-sacrifice and things like that is actually a weirdly like decent motivator to keep that money set aside because you are going to support somebody else with it. So I've definitely been rambling, but I guess what I wanted to share here, right, is like an expanded version of what generational wealth means or what it means to build a legacy. And, you know, like share my like Asian nuances because I feel like I don't hear that story very often. Uh, and I want to close with asking you, like what money stories did your parents pass on? Did they talk about money in your household? Did you get an allowance? Was that allowance for work you did or just for existing? Was it that you didn't talk to your parents, so you just observed how they handled money and maybe like they didn't have stable jobs or they struggled to pay bills or did they hide it from you? Like some some kids get parents who are struggling, but they hide it from their kids, right? They never let their kids think that they didn't have enough, right? They raise their kids in abundance while in the background they're they're struggling themselves. And that really sucks. That's unfortunate that that's a situation that has to happen but I also really admire that in the sense that like they're able to live that double life but then that like brings me back around to like now that you're an adult have you asked your parents what that was like have you taken stories apart from when you were a kid of like hey I was under this impression that we really struggled with money and have you actually talked to them and said like was this true is that a fact, right? I actually watched during um, Chinese New Year's this year, Wang Fu Productions put together this commercial for PayPal or it might've been Venmo. Either way, um, I guess they they came up with this digital red envelope thing, which like, I was like, what the hell is this? This is totally not Taiwanese. Like, what the heck? Like, this is, I can't. But basically they made a whole like short commercial about how this daughter and the single dad who was running a, a Chinese restaurant like this daughter was constantly studying for college and like watching her dad run this restaurant by himself and wanting to help him. So she would like stop studying to help like wait tables and things like that. And her dad would be like, no, 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 go back to studying. And then when she got into this super prestigious college, she got the acceptance letter and went back to her dad and like told him about it. And her dad was like, here's a check for the tuition. And she was like, no, I can't accept this. I'm not going. Because she was under the impression that her family was struggling financially this whole time, watching her dad like run this restaurant from what I would argue is like a child's view, right? Like she never asked, right? And most of us don't. 
And I only started asking recently for these kinds of questions to my parents. But she had this impression that there wasn't going to be enough, that her dad was sacrificing for her. And the dad said, oh, I'm sorry if I gave you that impression. Like, I'm fine. He didn't specify that he had, like, a retirement set up or go into any details of, like, maybe the, like, the restaurant didn't have any debt or anything like that. He didn't specify. But he was like, I'm sorry I gave you that impression that you thought that we weren't in a financial place to send you to college. No, this is yours. Like, the, like I'm fine. Don't worry about me. And then it closes with, like, she sends back uh, after she she's like successful in her career living in New York or something. She sends back a digital envelope, a red digital red envelope with these cute little animations with like 80 bucks in it. And I'm like, wait, but that's not, no, you shouldn't mail a red envelope if you're going to do that. I don't, because <laughs> traditionally for me, if you get a red envelope. My parents had this saying, ya soy chan, is you take the red envelope and you were supposed to like press it to pieces was what I think the intended literal translation is. And then the superstition that goes with it is you take the red envelope and you put it under your pillow and you sleep on it for a day before you do anything with it. And I don't like it's supposed to bring more fortune or something. I don't know. I pick up all these superstitions that like never quite get explained to me. And I haven't asked about all of them yet. But like my roommate got a red envelope from one of his coworkers, and I was like, "No, you're supposed to put it under your pillow." And he's like, "Oh, okay." And then he like left it there for a month. No, what I mean to say is like, have you asked? Like, did your parents give you one impression, or did you take like a couple of small incidents and turn it into your whole money story? That maybe if you do have the opportunity to ask your parents or other relatives close to you, or even go through their diary. I don't know if they have journals. My mom had like audio journals she did when I was younger. I would suggest you ask because you never know, like what story that you picked up as a kid or that the impression they wanted to give you versus what reality really was. I know that something in this episode left you feeling, oh my God, that's so me. And I want to hear about it. Leave a review on iTunes or tag me on social media and share your relatable story with us so that we can normalize our experiences as Asian Americans and help more people feel safe to step outside of the box. I can't wait to hear about it. You can find me on Instagram at tj.wey and don't forget to design your abundant life.